Welcome one, welcome all to another developer interview here on the Xbox Expansion Pass. Today, I am joined by Sergey Kolobashkin, creative director, writer, and producer for the just-released hack-and-slash title, Wanted Dead. I am your host, Luke Lore, the Insipid Ghost. Sergey, thank you for joining me today. Hey, Luke, thank you so much for having me. It's a I'm, great honor. Yeah. Love oh, you. dude, it, Thanks, man. The honor is mine. I, I am ecstatic that you came on. Uh, at the time we're recording this, we're just before release, and this is coming out on release day. Um, I can only imagine uh, the butterflies, the excitement, and the nerves kind of surrounding this, yeah? Well, yeah, but at, at the same time, it, it takes you... Uh, um, it, 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 takes, it takes you quite, quite a moment to realize that you're almost there. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and usually it's like the, the the waiting is the hardest part. You know, right? Um, I remember at TGS um, when we were at TGS uh, last year, and I thought, oh yeah, it's just uh, five months from now, like four months from now, and um, and the game is out. But now I'm. I'm, I'm looking at this thing like in real time as we're counting down the days. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh my God, it's like T minus five, T minus four, T minus right. three. And suddenly uh, at the same time, we start getting inquiries from the press. Oh, hey, uh, we're doing the review, blah, blah, blah. I cannot beat this boss. What do I do? Mm-hmm. And, and we also had the great preview from IGN published, uh, I believe, two weeks ago. Uh, right. Like final preview. And I was like, oh, my God, they they actually get it. They actually understand what this game is all about. And uh, um, I'm very excited and stressed. <laughs> <laughs> I can only imagine. That was a great preview on IGN, too. Uh, a lot of cool gameplay. And I've been playing the game a bit myself. When you say IGN got it and they understood it, what was what was it you were hoping that would click for them that you're also hoping will click for players? Well, Wanted Dead is a throwback title. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was conceived when games like Wanted Dead were not being made. So we started shopping for the developer in 2019. And uh, bringing up a single-player Japanese hack-and-slash action game in 2019 um, sounded bonkers. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, imagine you're pitching, pitching your project to the developer that you want to hire for the next two, three years to work on your game. And uh, they're like... Okay, so where's the multiplayer component? Where's the live service? Where's the well? This was this was pre live service, but this is even the before multiplayer <sighs> component. Where are the microtransactions? Mm. What do you mean you play as a fe- you, you have a female lead? Mm-hmm. I mean, guys, female leads don't sell. Um, cyberpunk, you know what? Cyberpunk won't sell. Um, mm-hmm. 
Japanese action games don't sell. What are you doing with your life? So these were kind of a conversation. Well, and this was pre-Japanese. The, 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 this was, we were still talking to European developers. Mm-hmm. And essentially, the elevator pitch was like, what if we had an action game that looked modern, played modern, but at the same time, reminded you of a say the og xbox era the mm-hmm. og ps2 era of games mm-hmm. um and people were not were not buying into this uh they were genuinely con- uh, concerned if uh, this project could happen and then we started shopping for a japanese developer and uh when we got to work, well, when we got to meet the team, and I explained the team, hey guys, this is what we want to make, and we clicked in a second. It was like, oh yeah, they totally get it. But then, as we were developing the game, and uh, obviously, you start second guessing. Like one year in, like, are they going to get it? And uh, by them, I mean the audience and mm. the press. Because um, nostalgia is obviously a disease and mm. uh, uh, everyone's affected to one way or another. And uh, um, like a year in, year and a half in, I was expecting to see a game like One a Dead being announced or released. And uh, that didn't happen until very recently. I remember uh, playing Evil West and I was like, mm-hmm. damn, this is exactly the thing I was, I, I was talking about because folks like me, my age group, they're producing games now. They're obviously nostalgic about their own gaming experiences, and they'd be bringing this the the, the sensibility uh, mm-hmm. to the table. And suddenly, we start seeing this uh, in games that are being released right now. And I'm incredibly happy uh, with the, with, as I said, games like uh, Evil West mm-hmm. or say I don't know Metal Hellsinger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It, it 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 really feels like uh, the stuff um, that we used to play 15 years ago, 20 years ago. But at the same time, an incredible example of a nostalgic title is uh, Hi-Fi Rush. And uh, every, everyone's talking about it right now. And everyone's like, oh, my God, this is just like Dreamcast. Um, the only thing is that it has the feel of a Dreamcast game. Thank God it doesn't play like one. Sure. And yeah. the same thing can be applied to One and Dead, is that it has a feel of a PlayStation 2 game, but it doesn't look like a PlayStation 2 game. And thank God it doesn't play like one. It, you are... What you are saying are the exact thoughts that I had when when playing through uh, so far. And, I, and I'm not super far in, but I'm like, I'm 
several hours in and I've had the exact same feelings. Uh, it reminds me of PS2 and Xbox, OG Xbox era. And I'm, but it's got modern sensibilities and you're right. Like our age group is primed for that. I enjoyed evil West. I love hi-fi rush. Like these are great experiences that nostalgia is funny like that. I wouldn't want to actually play that on a dreamcast controller. I wouldn't want to go back to a PS2 era game per se. And one and dead seems to deliver on that feeling of retro may not may, retro might be the word, Sergey. We might be getting older, but, uh, it definitely feels like that era, and I'm having a blast with it so far. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much. I'm, uh, it's uh, <laughs> it's very nice when the uh, when like three years later somebody confirms that you were not mental. <laughs> you started the soul, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I I as as uh, I remember. Um, a meeting um, uh, with uh, with the staff and uh, with the board when we decided to uh, uh, to move the development to Japan, and literally a week later, um, because originally One and Dead didn't have uh, any sword fights in it. It was a third-person shooter. Well, we conceived it as a third-person shooter. And suddenly, oh, we have a sword. Yeah. Okay. And oh Boy, do uh, you have a sword. <laughs> yeah, suddenly we have a sword. Suddenly, we and there's stuff we can do with it. Mm-hmm. Okay, what, what? how crazy can we get uh, about it? And uh, how acrobatic and violent we want combat to get now that we have a sword. Okay, and the cool part about it was um, sanity check because nobody did that. Mm-hmm. Or like, okay, it's Hong Kong. You have a white girl. She's a police officer. She has thick Swiss German accent, mm-hmm. and she wields a sword. Like, no red flags? Okay, let's continue. (laughs) (laughs) And now, three years later, everyone's like, yeah, she's got a sword. What seems Mm -hmm. to be the problem? It's, it's, and that sword, man, I, I, you do get to play with it. And I want any listener uh, or viewer to realize that like that sword is a core element uh, of combat. And I don't want to bury the lead here. You mentioned like finding the right team and finding the team and uh, smack dab in the middle of the one and dead website, uh, spectacular new hybrid slasher shooter from the team behind Ninja Gaiden and dead or alive. And I feel that DNA when I'm playing, despite it not being those games. And that's cool. Um, that is absolutely correct. And uh, what happened is that we were introduced to a bunch of teams that were uh, ready and willing uh, to work on One and Dead. And uh, one team uh, obviously stood out because of their pedigree. And uh, when you look at the projects they put together uh, previously as a team, 
And uh, for example, uh, uh, the director on the project is the Ninja Gaiden director, the producer on the project is the Ninja Gaiden producer and that are alive. And uh, same guy uh, is also the uh, director and the producer of Dead or Alive Extreme Beach Volleyball, which is, <laughs> which is important to keep in mind. And I remember that people were also uh, kind of skeptical. Well, not, uh, not really skeptical, uh, but they were definitely rolling their eyes when they read from the makers of Ninja Gaiden, Dead or Alive, and Dead or Alive Extreme Beach Volleyball in our mm -hmm. trailers and everything. And uh, it's very important to mention, I mean, the beach volleyball thing, because uh, we wanted, wanted Dead to feel uh, very offbeat mm -hmm. and uh, to have that um, sixth generation sensibility. Uh, and uh, someone, I believe it was Game Ranks or whatever other um, news source, coined the term, a video game ass video game. Yes, I use that term often, <laughs> actually. Yeah, and it perfectly applies to One and Dead, is that we're not, we, we never wanted to make... Uh, the Citizen Kane of video games. Mm -hmm. We never wanted to make dances, the dances with wolves of video games. We just wanted to make a fun video game that is there as like as a video game. Mm -hmm. Like it's something you would have been excited about 20 years ago, a game like this. So I really hope that we achieved that goal. I don't know. We're about to find out soon. It's true. I guess you are. Now, I dig the idea that the game started off as a third-person shooter and then morphed into kind of a hybrid hack-and-slash shooter uh, in, in the coolest ways. And I wonder if you could talk a little bit about like the combat philosophy. What did you want the shooting to feel like, blending with the the sword uh, sword kind of gunplay combo as the development went on? Um, that's a great question. So what you're looking at when, I, when we're talking about combat, what you're looking at is a battle system designed by Tomonobu Itagaki and then heavily perfected. Um... Not so long ago, there was a uh, Wii U game called Devil's Third. Oh, and, wow. Yeah. I remember that. I remember it's hard to find, right? That was one of those like harder to find Wii U games? Yeah. It's actually the, the project, the, the project uh, was brilliant on paper. Mm -hmm. It was brilliant while in development. But then so many things happened that it just uh, failed to meet the expectations for so many reasons that probably deserves its own show. But essentially, the team already knew how to make a hybrid slasher shooter. Um, 
what we needed to do for one at death is to tighten up the core gameplay and uh, make the uh, the transition from slashing to shooting almost seamless mm -hmm. and uh, it's not it's not an easy thing to pull off because usually there is a compromise so we needed to make sure that there is no compromise and uh, we focused on we primarily focused on two weapons two essential weapons uh, in the game which is the sword and the rifle right mm -hmm. and one of the reasons we don't have uh, an abundance of uh, uh, other melee weapons is just we needed to get this thing right so this is the sword and this is the only sword you will have in this game Mm -hmm. Yeah, you will be picking up other firearms, but this is your rifle and this is your primary weapon and mm -hmm. you will need to learn how to juggle between the two. And uh, the other thing we did is uh, we essentially um, made the handgun into a melee weapon. So, yeah. And th this, is, uh, this is quite a novelty. And at the same time, five minutes in, and uh, you'd be like, yeah, I always played this way. What do you mean mm -hmm. it never existed before? It feels so intuitive to, and for listeners that it, that's, that's almost like a heavy attack in some ways. Uh, it's not, but like you can just a quick tap and suddenly you've got your pistol out uh, and you're popping people. And that is augmented with a lot of sword play. And you get yourself into these brilliant CQC moments where you can do all kinds of cool takedowns. Uh, dismemberment is a factor of your sword gunplay combo. Um, as is a kind of blocking in the right timing, which I, I don't want to say it's Souls-like because I don't want to send anybody down the wrong road. But there is a timing element to it that can uh, hit a difficulty bar in just the right way along with dodging like... I'm describing the combat system now, <laughs> but it's fun. It's really fun. And to bounce between sword, pistol, rifle so quickly and seamlessly in some moments uh, makes for a really com really fun combat design. Um, can you talk a little bit about the dismemberment system and then the CQC elements where you're getting into that close quarters combat? Um, so very early on when we started development, uh, I said that I don't want to ship the game with less than 30 takedowns because originally we, uh, we were originally to ship the game in 2022 and I was standing there. I was like, guys, this is 2022 and nobody's doing this. I get it. It's a pain in the ass to animate all this to make it look spectacular on screen and make it fun, but we have to, because we are essentially selling an experience, right? And uh, whoever buys the game, I want them to feel our gratitude. And this mm -hmm. is the gratitude. Long story short, 30 takedowns became 50 takedowns. There's 50 <laughs> takedowns? Yeah. 
and uh, these anima animations constantly rotate randomly but we made sure that um, there's always something new popping up so you don't see one thing over and over and over and over again that's true i guess i haven't seen a lot of repetition uh they're deadly and badass i'll say that well thank you it's cool because uh, uh agent stone lieutenant hannah stone will do these moves straight out of the matrix and then drop down and just pop people right in the head and then move right on and there's a violence to it that feels very retro to that ps2 og xbox era um but also very kind of 90s in a way. Uh, is there a 90s influence in this at all? Oh, 100%. I mean, I'm a 90s kid, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, obviously, One and Dead was influenced by all the stuff that we consumed in our early teen years. Mm -hmm. So all the cyberpunk anime that I could get my hands on Cyber City 0808, the New Dominion Tank Police, Ghost in the Shell, all this kind of stuff. And then sprinkled with some Kill Bill on top. And then some more stuff. And uh, obviously, there's a lot of John Woo influences in the game. Yeah. And that is exactly what I was trying to capture there. John Woo. Yes. Yeah, it, uh, the game is obviously influenced by Hong Kong action cinema of the like, late 80s, early 90s. And uh, at the same time, while working on it, we were trying to make sure that uh, um, Wanted Dead as the setting, I mean, uh, the cyberpunk setting of Wanted Dead, doesn't feel like the stuff you constantly see in games like, say, Deus Ex, mm -hmm. Cyberpunk, um, Syndicate from EA, or whatever. So Classic. that it, so that it's something new. So that well, not like new, new, but uh, this is something um, that haven't been represented on screen in video games yet a VHS cyberpunk, so to speak. Man, that's that's neat. Now, you talked about 50 takedowns. What about the dismemberment system? Is there a way that that works certain ways? Because there are times where I will slice and dice these people to mess, and other times they're blocking me like crazy. Um, so there is, a, there is an invisible stamina bar. Oh, okay. Um, that's your foes possess, right? When you break their, when you break their concentration, first you cut off the limb, and then if you unlock the skill, you can follow up with the finishing move. If you didn't unlock the skill, um, the enemies that lost their limbs uh, get even more dangerous. Yes, they're vulnerable, but at the same time, they're far more aggressive. And obviously, you get your um, last wish suicide guys that pull out the grenade last minute. Mm -hmm. So you'd better watch the floor, what's going on there, while you're 
dealing with something else because there can be a guy trolling right behind you with a grenade pop. And uh, yes, this comes straight from Ninja Gaiden. It, it feels straight out of Ninja Gaiden uh, in, in the best ways, uh, as does the difficulty. Unless I'm really bad at games, which is happening the older I get, um, it feels like there's an intention, intentional approach with difficulty. You get normal or hard to start. I started on normal, and I can feel this is this requires me to pay attention and stay in there despite being hack and slash. Um, balance in this game was a nightmare because we wanted to make sure that the, the game is challenging, but challenging enough for you to still have fun while playing it. So it's not like... Uh, we we were trying to make a souls game mm-hmm. no we were just trying to make a hardcore action game that your regular consumers can pick up and master because although souls went mainstream and this is absolutely amazing souls games are not mainstream and uh we were trying to do the opposite. We were trying to make sure that it's challenging, fun, but there's like no easy mode. Oh, wait a minute, there is. If you get uh, if you get your ass handed over to you, um, like multiple times, mm-hmm. um, say I guess it's, it's as far as I remember, like three deaths in a row. Mm-hmm. Like with very short in a very short time period, mm-hmm. uh, we do we do provide an option to make the game easier. It's called the Neko Chan mode, and uh, you will be cursed with uh, wearing cat ears until the rest of the game. Shut up! I have not seen this yet. Oh, dude. so if if I enter that mode suddenly, I've got cat ears the rest of the game. Yes, you have cat ears for the rest of the game. Oh, and every screenshot from then on would be cursed and people would know. Oh, that's so cruel and oh, awesome. Yeah. They will know how you beat the game. Oh, that's cruel. So when you're balancing, does does that impact how you uh, like weigh achievements? Um, no, not necessarily. It's more about... It's... it's la- uh, hmm. It's more about giving a challenge that is manageable by an average player. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you if you notice while you're playing, all enemy encounters are let's me, let me put it this way: they've been pre-directed for you. So it's not like, oh, suddenly we release 10 guys mm-hmm. in this room and you deal with it. No, mm-hmm. there's, uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, thought in the process of populating the world with the monsters, so to speak. So, and sometimes we needed to subtract. Sometimes we needed to add. Mm-hmm. Uh, to make sure that we uh, balance the encounters 
So each encounter can be beat. It's sort of a puzzle you need to solve, you know? It's so for any listener, I'm grinning uh, because it felt like that. It felt like I was solving a puzzle. There were times early on where I would die and it'd be like, it wasn't cheap. This was my mistake. How do I reapproach it in a different way? And then a completely different approach in different moments led to a much easier encounter here and there. And uh, when you say it was like a puzzle that seems to to fit so perfectly with my gameplay experience, um, that it's a matter of figuring it out versus getting better. If that makes sense, was that this? So that yes. was a conscious decision. Jesus Christ! Yes, this is exactly that because um, there is there is a very interesting thing that happens on the second mission. So when you get to the second boss and suddenly you feel this incredible spike in the difficulty level, trust me, there is no spike. You just haven't figured it out yet. So most boss battles are literally about how do I do it? It's not because, it's not because um, we made sure that oh, the blows don't register or anything like it. No, 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 no. You go down because you haven't figured it out yet. And uh, as soon as you do, it's like, oh, my God, that was so easy. They could have told me, you know. Mm -hmm. So that's the, that's the idea about figuring it out. That's cool. That Thank is you. cool. That was a lot of work to make it... Um, fluid and seamless we had a listener write in uh and I, I venture to guess i could get i could go with uh knowing your answer here but famous seamus wrote in he said is it hard to make your game stand out from all the other hack and slash games in the genre with so many iconic ones but i venture to guess he didn't realize that uh the dead are alive and ninja gaiden mindset uh or teams were working on wanted dead actually it's not really about hack and slash mm -hmm. as the genre. Mm -hmm. It's a, a, a uh, it's a constant challenge uh, um, for any team working in any genre mm -hmm. because um, when you're making a game, you need to figure out a lot of things before you actually start making a game. Mm -hmm. Um, there's ambition and then there's reality and uh, these two things need to coexist also creative freedom is nice when it's restrained in a way that the team can progress through the development process without the hiccups so you constantly need to balance these things and uh, make sure that you don't necessarily um, take the easy route sometimes because One and Dead could have been a third-person shooter game um, like, say, Spec Ops The Line, 
it could have absolutely be its clone. Um, thank God we didn't we didn't pick the easy route and we decided to oh yeah let's go reinvent the genre how hard can it be um, well obviously it wasn't that cocky but um, any game developer today is constantly competing uh, with the back catalog of some of the greatest games ever made and uh, not necessarily uh, in the genres that they're making these games. So as an example, I'm currently, uh, I'm currently playing Lightning Returns Final Fantasy. I've mm -hmm. played this game before, but now that uh, I can actually do it on Xbox Series X with FPS boost and all the upscale and everything, I really enjoy it. And uh, I have no idea how hard it was to create the world that we um, get to explore in that game. And at the same time, how hard it was to reinvent the uh, gameplay mechanics. And now, while I'm playing, I'm thinking, oh, what can I learn from the decisions that were made by uh, the studio that was uh, working on Lightning Returns? And how can I apply this to my future projects to make sure that it's always fresh and interesting and engaging? And uh, I don't think I answered the question properly. I tried. Mm -hmm. But the idea here is that you're always competing. You're mm -hmm. always competing with some of the best minds and some of the best creative talent that ever worked in this industry. And uh, uh, you just have to stay true to yourself and uh, uh, you have to stay true to the audience because the audience will always know when you were trying to mess with them. Um, and if your product your game, well, let's call it the experience, is sincere and uh, you are really given at all you got, I strongly believe that the audience will recognize it. Man, you guys are, you're launching in a super crowded month and you guys talked about this before we hit record you're launching in a crowded month and yet you've got something that I think is super niche and yet polished and a blast. Is it hard to pick the right release date to help your work stand out? And you talk about it being sincere and it's going, I mean, it is a sincere, it's a love letter to that, to that memory, I guess that we had of PS2 games. Um, and I'm heaping praise on, on purpose. Like I mean it so sincerely. I genuinely love it. Uh, is it hard to pick the right release date to time the business element with the love factor and wanting to get that product out? Well, originally we were to launch in Q4 2022. 
mm-hmm. and we didn't. And I'm very glad that we didn't because uh, we started sh- we started showing the game at mm, so yeah it was say August September Gamescom PAX Tokyo Game Show and we did a couple of small trade shows in Europe and uh, we realized that the game could benefit from some more polish, you know? And uh, it was an incredibly hard decision to make. Scary? Hmm? Was it scary? No, it wasn't scary. It was the because it was the right decision. It was like, let's polish it some more. And uh, at the same time, there are realities of the release calendar. So I don't think we knew who was, go- uh, who was going out in February when we made the decision to launch on the Valentine's Day. I think that uh, the month wasn't that crowded um, when we announced the date. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, um, we cater to a different audience because so for example we launched together with uh, with Hogwarts I believe Hogwarts drops on like what the 11th 10th yeah like just like two or three days before and then there's early access and stuff but like yeah like just a few days prior to, to... yeah well Hogwarts is an is an RPG game mm-hmm. set in uh, the Harry Potter universe that is obviously much beloved but at the same time, not everyone's into Harry Potter. Sure. Right? And uh, when we're picking date, we're like, what is the right date for one dead? And everyone's like, of course, it's Valentine's Day because the game is pink. Everything in it is pink. The artwork is pink. It screams Valentine's Day in your face. Mm-hmm. Um, if we knew what kind of competition we would have when we announced the uh, the release date, of course we wouldn't have changed our minds. Look, um, every month is crowded, so you got to pick your battles, and at mm-hmm. the same time. Thank God we're not in the movie industry. In the movies, you have your bum run in the theaters. And you have this like two weeks to make it or break it. It's it's different for video games. Video games are being sold years, sometimes decades after the original release. And... uh, if we lose a few customers um, to Hogwarts, well, they'll be back later. We don't have a problem with that. And at the same time, we need to, uh, to keep up with the momentum because we have other releases that we haven't announced yet coming up. 
Is that a tease, Sergey? Yes, it is. Awesome. <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. Well, I think that's a perfect spot to, to start winding down. Uh, Sergey, I want to give you an opportunity. Is there anything that you would like to point players to if they're picking up Wanted Dead, uh, something that you'd like them to check out in the game, and if they're on the fence, to tip them over the edge? Well, let me put it this way. If you're having a problem beating the second boss, just figure it out. <laughs> get good. Get no, no, good. No, 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 no. Not get good. Figure it out. You know, it's so there funny. There you go. So funny that you're saying get good because I remember I when I picked up Bloodborne, mm -hmm. I remember I started playing it and there's literally that first street with like 10 guys in it. And I'm like, mm -hmm. and I can, I, even if my life depended on it, I wouldn't be able to beat it. And I remember mm -hmm. calling my friends like, how? And he's like, well, you got to get good. I'm like, how am I supposed to get good if I cannot advance? Mm -hmm. So no, it's not about getting good. It's about figure it out. Figure it out. Well, there you go, man. Uh, guys, you can find uh, Wanted Dead uh, on all your Xbox platforms, on PlayStation platforms. I am so excited for your launch, Sergey. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me.